Welcome to the Keys to Change podcast with Adrian Laurie, your home for conversation about psychotherapy and personal transformation. I'm here with Marvin Belzer of the UCLA Mindful Awareness Research Center. Marvin is a professor at UCLA in their Department of Psychiatry and Biobehavioral Sciences. He's a former professor of philosophy at Bowling Green State University. Marvin teaches mindfulness at UCLA and in other venues. And of special interest today, he's the originator of a hot seat activity that he uses in his classes uh, it's a practice to help you develop social mindfulness or what's known as relational mindfulness. Uh, Marvin, thank you so much for, for being with me today. I'm really glad to be able to speak with you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Well, let's start off by um, having you tell us a little bit about your, your background, how you got interested in, in mindfulness and how you got interested in relational mindfulness in particular. Yeah. Um, well, I, got interested in meditation generally when I was a philosophy graduate student uh, back in the 80s. And I um, was fortunate to, to kind of get some good guidance, even at that time when there wasn't a lot of, of uh, resources compared to now. <clears throat> and, uh, and so even as I was finishing my dissertation and so forth, I developed a serious interest in meditation and uh, did some long retreats, spent time in Burma, Myanmar, and, and so forth. So there were, there were a number of years where I my academic career and my meditation interest were separate. You know, meditation was more, um, in a way, it was like an extreme sport. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I liked it. I found it interesting and helpful. And it, um, I had the opportunity to go off and do long retreats and, and so forth. And then when I was at Bowling Green in the 90s, I began teaching a, um, an undergraduate course in meditation, Philosophy 339, Mindfulness, Practice and Theory. Uh-huh. And, and the, there are other things I could say about that process. But even in the late 90s, there was quite a lot of interest uh, in that course. And then... Um, about 2004, I will talk about this more later, probably, but I met some people who were doing some, some relational practices, which I realized could be adapted for the mindfulness setting, where we actually pay attention to another person in the mm. kind of in the same spirit with which we pay attention to ourselves in meditation. And so mm. that, that was kind of my step. And then I also realized that with college students, Um, you know, some of them are interested in meditation, others not. Um, I don't know who who is and who really isn't, you know, but it it occurred to me that the kind of the interactive uh, aspects of um, the kind of relational mindfulness might be even better for some of them, given where they were in their lives. Uh, And I think that's still a conjecture uh, that I think is true, but it could be researched. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good segue to my next question, which as, as a prelude to talking more about relational mindfulness, how we can develop that. What is mindfulness yeah. uh, and meditation for, you yeah. know, for those who are unfamiliar or could use a refresher? Yeah. Um, 
briefly, mindfulness is a capacity we have, first of all. So it's not something esoteric that we have to try to figure out and then create and, and hold on to. It's the ability to, to know what's happening in our experience moment by moment, you know, and it, then it can be cultivated. And so even though it's a natural capacity that we don't have to figure out, nonetheless, we can refine this spirit of, of taking an interest, being curious, being non-judgmental about what's actually happening in our experience. And by that, again, it's not a complicated thing. It's just what we can hear and see, taste, feel, our thoughts, emotions. And so living in the moment, is that? Yeah, but but even that can be, I'm a philosopher, so I'm, I'm not a big fan of living in the moment because moments go by pretty fast and are continually changing. And so there can be this sort of preoccupation with being in the moment in a way that that yeah. no, we don't have to, we don't even have to try that hard, right? It's much more connecting with things that are happening in our actual experience, even as, as things change. And so, mm. and, and um, so in terms of the meditation, again, briefly, I, I like to break it into two parts. It's just one model for thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, first is we use our ability to direct our attention Mm-hmm. And we do it in a sort of weird way because we ask ourselves to pay attention to stuff that's happening that doesn't need to be paid attention to. So something actually happening, such as ambient sounds, sensations in our bodies, the feel of the breath, something relatively neutral, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, not kind of pulling our attention. And there is something about this activity of our minds where we focus on something like the feel of the breath, just the normal sensations sustain the attention there for a while. Um, it's remarkable what can happen. And, and most forms of meditation, even though there are dozens of types, most begin one way or another in this way, directing attention, not necessarily to the breath, but, mm-hmm. but to a mantra or, or something else that's relatively neutral for the, and this deepening concentration, uh, and creating more stability, clarity, and so forth. And so this is remarkably simple and remarkably doable. I mean, uh-huh. if, I, if I have a skill, uh, it's, I think it's this ability to make this clear that this is really something ordinary people can do and, and so forth. And we don't have to do something impossible in order to start, such as clear our minds. A big, mm-hmm. big misconception. We don't have to clear our minds to do meditation. No, we do not. <laughs> this, is, this is maybe my biggest pet peeve. It's, it's it, partly because so many people hear about mindfulness. There's a lot of interest these days. And in my experience, people are coming to my classes, both college students and older students who have that misconception that they've tried meditation before. Somewhere they got the idea that they need to clear their mind if they're doing it right. Yeah, they cannot clear their mind by just deciding to after 30 some years of meditation, neither can I. (laughs) And we don't have to, right? The misconception gets a foothold because there can be times where the mind is is settling and becoming calmer, where there aren't a lot of thoughts. And and so that can be interesting. And and then that shifts, shifts also. So we don't Mm -hmm. have to start there. and We don't have to try to make it happen. And we certainly don't have to try to hold on to it during those times when it does happen, Mm. even though it can. So that's the first part. We focus attention in this doable way. Mm -hmm. And even though it is doable and and relatively simple, 
we're going to fail. Our attention will drift. Quite uh-huh. naturally, we'll, something will pull our attention away. And it's not really a failure of the meditation. It's just a failure of being able to stay focused on what we decided to try to stay focused on. Yes. And it's, it's not... It's not. It's great to to normalize this. It's it's part of human intelligence that we move our attention moves to what needs to be paid attention to, mm-hmm. and so even when we're trying to stay with the breath, a thought will come to mind, and another thought it'll pull our attention, and then time will go by, and so it's perfectly normal and and to be expected. And what we do in mindfulness practice is we include in the meditation whatever it is. There's just this this permission just to be real. And this is where whatever comes into consciousness, we include as part Mm -hmm. of the meditation. And I won't go on more now so much, but like even things like physical pain, when it's pain that intrudes, we gently include it. Just what does it actually feel like? And this can be counterintuitive and then gently come back to that home base. Mm. or where we were focusing likewise with emotions you know we so we don't have to micromanage our experience or make something different it's just this permission to notice to include but always with the permission to come back so Mm -hmm. i like the model of a pendulum you know we focus somewhere we try to keep the attention there quite naturally we get pulled away Mm -hmm. whatever it is Mm -hmm gently come back. Sometimes we're doing sort of both at once. So it's not either or necessarily, but Mm -hmm. anyway, that's my um, best way I think of uh, explaining what mindfulness meditation is and how, how straightforward it is. It's, it's, um, it's actually surprisingly simple and it's not a conceptually complicated. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so then tell us about this hot seat activity and how it relates to relational mindfulness, yeah. what it is, how it works. Yeah. So um, the hot seat as a relational mindfulness practice, um, I started leading on a teen retreat in 2004 mm-hmm. after learning a similar exercise uh, from Nicole Daydon. Uh, who I was visiting in San Francisco, I met her very interesting teacher around intimacy and sexuality. And she was, she was leading a hot seat exercise and she called it the hot seat and uh-huh. we learned it from others. And um, there was, there was some, something of an agenda. I would say the difference between what she was doing and what I began to facilitate mm-hmm. was um, in, in the context in which she led them or was part of them in her group there definitely was a sort of agenda to help people open up to become more aware of their sexual desires or uh-huh. what they want around intimacy and so forth. And yeah. fantastic. It was a very interesting experience, yeah. but I realized that the same sort of exercise could be done in a context where there wasn't any agenda other than a paying attention to each other and taking that opportunity in a way to change the social rules so yeah. that it's not an ordinary discussion and, and so forth. But there is that, that way of practicing where in, instead of focusing on the breath or on my own experience, I'm focusing on another person and, mm-hmm. and kind of where in, in the type of meditation I just described, we would intentionally try to keep the attention focused on the breath or our feet or 
whatever has presented itself. Mm -hmm. uh, we also could do a similar sort of thing where the attention is on another person. And so mm -hmm. get to the hot seat more in a second, but with relational mindfulness, generally, that's the way I would characterize it as, as setting up a container so that people can interact in ways that help facilitate becoming more familiar with what it's like simply to pay attention to another person and to be paid attention to by one person or more. Mm -hmm. and, and so um, obviously this is, is not something brand new, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. and so forth, but uh, it is something to, like the, the, the type of meditation I just described, yeah. you know, Western mindfulness teachers certainly didn't make that up. I mean, th this type of meditation yeah. I described is more or less what I learned from Buddhist monks uh, in Burma, Myanmar, Upandita, mm -hmm. and, and so forth. So, you know, what, what is kind of being taught as mindfulness meditation definitely has direct roots to Theravada and Buddhism and yeah. other forms of Buddhism, even though, of course, many different traditions and cultures and religions have practices that are analogous. So there's so much to explore. Yes. There. Likewise, there, I, there's there's no claim that that you know all we needed kind of Western mindfulness teachers to figure out how to set up practices for people to pay attention to each other. Yeah, but there isn't that straightforward lineage that in the same way that there is with with the meditation, right, and so forth. And so where um, the hot seat came in, and where I did innovate from from how Nicole was was leading it was well, look. Um, so let me just describe the structure and then, then describe how, how it differs. So the, the idea is it's a, it's a group activity, seven, eight, 10, 12 people is pretty good for it. And if this is a big, if, mm -hmm. if someone wants to volunteer, yes, sir. and I, I am a huge advocate of, of non-coercion, no coercion. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if someone wants to volunteer, then a very simple activity, we would, there'd be a facilitator. Um, we'd all place our attention on the person who volunteered. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's a simple form for asking them any question we want. And the form is simply, if you're sitting there taking the person in, if a question occurs to you, you raise your hand, the facilitator calls your name, one question. It's good if it's a kind of a simple, straightforward question, not with lots of parts, yes. but any question is okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, in this activity, the person who vol they volunteered to be in the hot seat, but they didn't, they don't have to answer every question so they can pass or just yeah. be silent. And then um, the person who asked the question ends the interaction with a thank you, no other comment mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and no follow-up question unless they're recognized again. So they, they might well have a follow-up question and they might well be recognized again, but this simple form seems to, to be actually quite useful uh, for this. And then um, in terms of the, uh, that we certainly agree to confidentiality, which mm -hmm. is super important. Mm -hmm. uh, and even a sort of level of confidentiality where we wouldn't just, we would be careful about jumping into the topic with the person after the hot seat is over. It might be okay, but it might, you know, so we kind of check in, would you like to talk about, we have a common interest or I was just curious, you know, and 
kind of emphasizing this so that the person who was in the hot seat has a, a freedom to say, no, that was, that was just for that. I, I don't want to go into it further. So, yeah. yeah. And then um, in terms of the, the guidance around questions. Yeah. Uh, first, any question is okay. Period. Yeah, yeah. If there is a guidance, it would be to keep the attention on the person and go with curiosity and not bring mm-hmm. yourself in so much. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and so, but we learn by experience and we don't need to be uptight about it and, and so forth. And I have probably facilitated about a thousand of these or since 2004 yeah. in a context where it was a relational mindfulness activity, uh-huh. often in conjunction with the undergraduate mindfulness course that I have been teaching at Bowling Green and now at UCLA mm-hmm. or on young adult teen types of retreats and, and so forth. Yeah. And um, they continue to be, for me, they're beautiful. It's, they're very yeah. interesting. And, and of course, where they, they have this level of interest is twofold. I would say first for me personally, and I'm sure for many others, but not necessarily for everyone, it genuinely is like a meditation. Yes. And yes. I know my own meditation experience kicks in because I have done a lot of, of meditation on my own. And yes, so, yes. But, but that permission just to gaze at someone to kind of hold the visual gaze on them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is, is it does definitely function for me as a sort of neutral home base. Even if I begin a hot seat session where yeah. I have you know, some degree of attraction or aversion to the person that mm-hmm. tends to melt very quickly for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. So I'm just mm-hmm. taking, so they function as this sort of neutral home base for this and very analogous to the sensations connected with the breath and do, process. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think there could even be people for whom um, another person as a, as a, uh, as an, as a stimulus, as an object of, of attention or what have you? Yeah. It could be a better object than the breath. That's a fantastic conjecture. Uh, uh, I would conjecture, yeah, but I think yeah. it's that's a that's a good dissertation topic, dude. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, it's a, it would be a, a great research project. Yeah, in, in my opinion, and I don't think it's been done. Um, mm-hmm. uh, anecdotally, I would say that um, I have had many students. I've read many journals. You know. Uh, and, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I've had students for whom the, the really significant part of the course was the relational practice rather than the meditation. So that's something that, that, that being said, it's, it, I mean, it's certainly different experience for me from meditation, but there are things that, that are, it, it has a certain comfort, even, you know, in, even when it's, even when I'm facilitating, which normally I, I am and, and so forth, it's, it's, uh, but the second thing is, you know, whether or not it's like a meditation, it tends to be utterly riveting. Yes. You know? And, 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 and just let me, it's like an example would be, um, and, and it's interesting with college students, it, it can take some time for them to get used to it or to, to appreciate how open and free a space it is. Yeah. So yeah. Start with 
from my perspective, pretty boring questions. Like, why'd you come to UCLA? You know, me, <laughs> you know, but I'm not judging. Uh-huh. I am judging, but you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it has its own life and I, I do participate, but I don't try to make something happen. Yeah. But almost always what does happen is, you know, at some point someone will ask a question, which is pretty kind of like, what did you do today? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I got up, I uh, uh, worked on a paper, I had lunch with my girlfriend, we had a little fight, I went to the rec center and worked out, and then I came here. Thank you. So I just made that up, but and I did put something in there, but that's the sort of thing that happens with just like, what did you do today? Or just very ordinary questions. People will, I mean, that's a good example of what does happen, and and of course, I put something in there about this little fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, of, all of us are going to be like, what? What happened exactly. there? Yes, yes. <laughs> and so it's, it's, it's just beautiful where a group will, t- they'll still try to be polite, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's just like, oh, oh what's your paper about? <laughs> right, right, right. And then no one gives a damn about what the paper's about, you know, or someone might. So yes, you just yes. let it unfold. But the point is someone at some point almost always will have the courage to ask a question, which is perfectly appropriate. The, the guy wasn't hiding it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's what we're curious about. So going with curiosity is just like, well, what was, what was the fight about? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever the answer is like, so we're in a territory of sharing with each other as human beings yes. below the level of what's normal. Yes. And, and so, for instance, if he says, um, oh, uh, yeah, we were fighting because she's been flirting with my best friend. Thank you. <laughs> and then it's just yes. like energy in the room is just yes, like crazy yes. because yeah, we've yeah. established a safe container for paying attention to each other. And suddenly we're in a context where we can actually talk with someone about jealousy, you know, and, yes. and it's, it's, it's in a context where he didn't have to say everything he did that day. Right. So he could have left that out. Right. And he didn't. And the, inter- it's just like, think how odd it would be yes. if in that, in the context of this activity, if he had mentioned that and then no one had even followed up. Right. Right. A polite thing to do. Yes. Go with curiosity in this yes. activity. And that opens up a lot, you know? Yeah. And so, and, and, um, and so uh, uh, that's, a, that's an example of, of uh, that just gives the flavor. And, and of course, there are groups where, uh, not a lot, but there are groups where at the end, I'm just like, damn, they, they didn't show up. They didn't really, they, they ignored, they, they didn't go with curiosity. They just remained polite and mm. like practicing for a law school interview, you know, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but those are rare. Most often it's it's deeply satisfying just at that level of having a space to be just as real yeah with other people as we are with ourselves in meditation yes and so the thing if we were doing a meditation together that kid probably would be completely obsessed with the fight right (laughs) right i mean he's like he might be able to feel his breath or feel his feet or blah 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 but (laughs) the thing that's going to be coming to mind probably is the fight and what to do and what not to do. And so yes. forth. So to have a space where 
you know, it is a container. Um, uh, probably should say more about it. I, I don't ever facilitate a hot seat where people, where the assumption is that everyone will volunteer. Right. So right. This, is, this is tricky, like in a class or with, on a retreat. If I'm leading a small group, though, I will say, well, there's this activity. I kind of want to get the group to buy in to it also. And, and, yeah. and it's not necessarily everyone's cup of tea, you know. So sure. just sure. making it clear that even if everybody else volunteers, there's not the assumption that, that you will do it. So right. Right. that can be a little bit tricky. But And then the confidentiality part, I haven't been in a situation where I facilitated hot seats in high schools. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure I would want to because I would not be confident that they would really get the confidentiality piece well enough. Right, right, right. So, that part so, is important. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And so, so um, but but not not coercion. The, the importance of confidentiality, and then right. and then um, kind of just the assumption which yeah. which bears examination and this sort of thing. I feel should be researched more it hasn't been but um you know it's it's like there is a certain courage that's that's a part of of being in right. even in, being in a group like this because um it's the same sort of courage that it takes to to meditate to be willing to to be real yes and then that's where the non-coercion is really important so it's actually there's no coercion around volunteering. There's also no coercion around asking a question. So I make these things yeah. crystal clear. So just yeah. like you may have habits of jumping in and so forth, but you may find that you're, you're just right. You're just being there. And yeah. Yeah. Now, how does this translate into, into day-to-day life? What does relational mindfulness look like in day-to-day life? Yeah. I don't know. Fantastic question. Oh. <laughs> it's to be determined. It's to be, there is so much, um, Adrian, that is to, in my opinion, that it, there is to, that could be explored here. Mm. And, and so um, um, there's a UCLA graduate, um, Giselle Jones, who she's in Toronto now. Mm-hmm. Um, she um, uh, has been using relational mindfulness in her work with couples. Mm-hmm. And, and um, uh, so she does couples counseling. And uh, I don't know exactly what she's doing whenever yeah. I have her come and visit uh, for, for classes or, or different workshops. And I'm always on the edge of give us some juicy examples <laughs> of, of how it worked, you know. But I think that it's kind of obvious to me that at least that, you know, if a couple has come to a counselor, there's some issue. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the issue in one way or another is related to having lost something that they once had. And almost certainly it's I'm not an expert on any of this, but but almost certainly it's kind of falling into some patterns with each other. Yes. Yes. That aren't working well. And how to get out of those roles. Well, yeah. one way is to set up a context where they can actually pay attention, Bring increased attention. Just in a simple way, without, you know, with a sort of permission to make mistakes and not, we might say things here that we regret, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. blah. So I, I'm, you can see I'm excited, but Is I'm it? not an expert on this. But I, and I used to kind of feel like it's probably not an activity for families. 
right? Right, right. You know, given the complexities of families, extended families, it's, you know, just like, okay, let's uh, just play our roles and get along well. Yeah. But um, a few years before my father passed away, ended up, you know, had some older nieces and nephews, and we ended up doing a hot seat with him, which was just extraordinary, you know? Wow, yeah. Yeah, just, just... And it, it was clear it wasn't for everyone in the family, but we set it up so that it was a rather large family gathering. And so we had, a, you know, it was just I let people know it was happening. And, and yeah. uh, it was beautiful just to have a space where the attention was on him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and where any question was OK. And, and uh, then a few years later, uh, there was another gathering um, I had a bunch of nieces and nephews sitting in a circle, just ch- chatting. And my mother's in the kitchen and we're talking and she says, Hey, isn't there that game you, uh, isn't there a game you, you play? And I'm yeah. like, she's like, what with people in a circle? I'm like, Oh, the hot seat. And she goes, yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, no, no, they don't need uncle Marv to organize something here. <laughs> <laughs> so I let it go and went back. I sat with them and I saw my mom again, like, wait a minute. Maybe she was volunteering to be in the hot seat. And if my 90 year old mother (laughs) is volunteering to be in the hot seat with her grandchildren, then Uncle Marv will intervene, which I did. And it was amazing, Adrian. It was so, yeah, it was. And that was, yeah. So it's, it's, I mean, you know, the examples with my parents and grandchildren, that's pretty simple you know, where just go with curiosity and, and it's, it's, been, I, I would, uh, but I, there's room for caution, of course, with sure, both sure. families, you know, where indeed the best thing, it's not necessarily the right context to set up sure, an activity sure. like this, where being polite means asking whatever comes to mind. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. What's the level of enthusiasm uh, uh, about rate, relational mindfulness, this hot seat activity yeah. among students, among your colleagues, yeah. in the mindfulness community, so to speak. It it varies. It varies a lot. It, as I said before, it's it's not everyone's cup of tea, and, mm-hmm. and so I have people, you know, serious meditators with whom I've taught who aren't aren't that excited about it, you know. And uh, so I'm very open to to. Uh, the question and to finding out more. I, I around me, people get in, infected, I guess, by my enthusiasm yeah, yeah. to some extent, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I, I really mean uh, mean it uh, in saying that I, I think it's it's potentially of great value, whether it's the hot seat or, or other sorts of you know just dyad exercises or, or triads. You know, there's different ways to set up. Um, the kind of the, the containers, you know, in different prompts, and they can be kind of just they can be super playful and simple, you know. Yeah, yeah. you know, and so you know, just even in the pandemic, you know, doing a lot of, of teaching on Zoom, you know, it, it's just having a space where people could talk honestly about what was happening. I mean, this is not complicated, mm-hmm. but often we don't have it, you know, we in you know because it's right. like. We don't want to burden our friends because we know they're going through stuff too. So we're we right, can be sure. careful not to say things out yeah. of politeness, you know? And so just to have a, a, a space where actually 
your job for two minutes is just talk about how life has been, you know, uh-huh, and uh-huh. two or three, you know, so we, these are integrated into all of the, the mindfulness classes we teach uh, one way or another. Um, mm. And um, uh, yeah, I think it has a lot of potential, you know, and, and, yeah, yeah. and even around political divisions, uh, PTA, mm. PTAs, you know, just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just getting people, you know, voluntary, getting them in a circle you know, just seeing each other as human beings rather than kind of, you know, projecting on them yes. a few things is, I think it has a lot of potential. And that being said, um, for me, they're, they're, they're pure fun. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they're beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, gosh, plenty to discuss there, but I'm, I'm, I'm aware your time is limited. I think you have a class to get to. If I people do. are interested yeah. to learn more about your work, where can they go? And also any recommendations as far as books or things along those lines for, for people who are interested in, in learning more about this? Yeah. Um, so I am at the, the UCLA uh, Mindful Awareness Research Center. And mm-hmm. so we're easily found online. And we do I'll include uh, a link to it below in the description oh, for the video. Thank you. thank you. Yeah. Oh, great. Thanks. And uh, uh, so we, we do offer you know, the basics of mindfulness Our maps. One class is a six week class mm-hmm. and we offer um, a lot of workshops and so forth this summer, um, 2022 uh, summer session a at UCLA beginning June 22nd through the July, I'll be teaching an undergrad course on zoom, but a lot of the activities that the students can go to for points are open to the public. And oh. so anyone can, can go. And so, Anyone from around like the anywhere. Globe? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, on Thursday nights, beginning uh, uh, January 23rd, Tanzanite M. Sola will be leading relational mindfulness sessions uh, at 5 PM Pacific time. And so okay. this, this will be clear. This will be clearly advertised on our website, but this would be a great opportunity. Okay. If someone's interested in relational mindfulness, not, not, she won't be facilitating hot seats, there but it'll be more just kind of more generic and and beautiful and appropriate you know yes yes introduction for people and then um there are a number of uh day-long retreats this summer diana winston my colleague Mm -hmm. uh, uh, cara lai on sunday um july 17th and matthew brensilver on july 23rd so these if anyone's interested in mindfulness or relational mindfulness these of course are things i would highly recommend Um, yeah yeah yeah. Okay. And, great. Great. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, this has been wonderful. It's really, really enjoyed speaking with you and um, your enthusiasm is infectious. Um, uh, thanks so much. I, I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for your interest. Thanks for reaching out. It's good to talk to you. Likewise. Okay. Bye for now. Bye-bye.